I'm beginning my podcast with a series of discussions with Siona Benjamin, an Indian-Jewish-American artist. This is the first of the four segments in The Outside Narrative on Siona's work and her transcultural Jewish identity. Originally from Bombay, present-day Mumbai, India, Siona has lived in the U.S. for over three decades now. Her work reflects her background of being brought up Jewish in a predominantly Hindu and Muslim India. She was awarded a Fulbright Fellowship in 2011 to India and a second Fulbright Fellowship in 2016-17 to Israel. Siona has an MFA in painting from Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, and a second MFA in theater set design from the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. Siona has exhibited in the United States, Europe, and Asia. I want to start off by um, introducing this, this statement slash poem, which comes with this painting, which is called uh, Finding Home Number 77. And it's, just, it's a painting about Miriam. The topic is, you know, the, the character that I've portrayed in this painting is Miriam. She's um, holding a suitcase. She's wearing a green nine yards Maharashtrian sari. She's got the saris becoming a uh, kind of a talit over her head. And her hand is kind of wrapped around with tefillin, which is the, the prayer strap that is worn by people during prayer. And that prayer strap kind of becomes sort of a flame that becomes the tree of life. And so here is my statement for that, that I want to start off because I think it tells me, it, it will tell so much about, um, about so much of my work. Mm -hmm. So Miriam is the name of this painting and it's, uh, the, the, the statement is, she led all the people into Israel, out of bondage, into freedom, dancing with her tambourine. Miriam, who nourishes the tree of life with water, packs her bags once again to travel yet another journey into another immigrant land. The emerald green of embroidered memories weave, the yud of her tefillin sprouts. This time, the tree of her future, promising to fulfill another transition and to find another home, maybe just one more time. So this poem is um, so reminiscent of the character, that, that kind of story that I see in my, you know, in my ancestors' photographs. Um, the photograph of my great-great-grandparents. Um, his name was Mordecai. Her, my great-great-grandmother's name was Simha. Their last name was Joseph. And I see this photograph here of their daughters, Ruth and Sheba. And here is my great-great-grandmother in this, in this similar kind of sari, sitting in a chair. Her two daughters are standing next to her, Ruth and Sheba also in like very modern kind of saris with high heels. And, um, you know, this is, this is the sari sutra that my family came with. And, uh, 
And then my, my mother who wore a sari sometimes, and then she wore Western dresses sometimes. And she had, you know, she was, she didn't look too Indian. And sometimes she looked more Indian because she wore a sari, but then still people didn't think that she was really Indian. And so this sort of hybridity that came with my past and beginning with my mother and sort of, you know, going into other parts of my family um, was very, very strong. And I didn't think much of it when I was growing up. But later on, when I came away, far away from that place, and when I started thinking as to who I am and what my role is in my, in my art, um, all those memories came flooding back. And uh, not only did they come flooding back, but they also kind of wouldn't leave my, wouldn't leave me. And I felt like I had to deal with it also because people always also asked me, where are you from? <laughs> and so explaining just the fact that I'm from India was never enough. And they would surmise I was this or that, a Hindu or Muslim or whatever. And then just um, having to explain, no, no, none of the above. And they would say, well, but what are you? And I, are you Persian? Are you Pakistani? Are you Iranian? Are you, you know, Greek? Are you Southern Italian? What, what is it? <laughs> and I would say, no, I'm a Jew from India. So and that would always be met with a feeling of great surprise or disbelief. Like there was some invisible borderland that Jews couldn't cross and go over. And I then had to remind them that Jews didn't cross over and go there. They already were there <laughs> in the first place for 2000 years. And so, um, you know, making people sort of realize that was part of my role. And even though I didn't want to talk about my identity or who I was, very often I felt sometimes circumstances forced me to really talk about it. And so I decided I'm going to use this in my art and be able to, you know, make a new story out of it, like use it as a jumping board to be able to talk about new issues and about find and also find out who I am today as a Indian Jewish American artist feminist artist who has family some in India and in Israel and now in the United States too and journeys make us and we make our journeys and both of them talk to each other we are an outcome of our journeys our forefathers journeys as well as the journeys that we make, rewrite us. And uh, listening to your story, listening to your uh, life's realization and your work, you do offer us, uh, your audiences, a spectrum of cultural fusion. So when you depict different cultures in your art, what drives this point of fusion? Well, I mean... Um... What, what drives this, the, the point of fusion is that um, realizing that um, kind of trying to find the different parts of me and then realizing that I'm, I'm, I'm a part of many different things mm -hmm. and many different beings and many different cultures. And uh, even in India, even though I was raised a Jew in India, just realizing that I was influenced strongly by Muslim culture or by the Indian Christian culture or by Hinduism or by Parsis, because I went to a Catholic middle school and a Zoroastrian high school. And I kind of, it seeped into me and I just 
lived and breathed it for such a long time. But at the same time, coming back home and being taught to maintain my Jewishness in my very Jewish family, mm-hmm. sort of, um, it's kind of a little schizophrenic. <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, I think um, it was amazingly multicultural. And I also didn't realize that. So um, realizing those different parts of me and then realizing that I'm a little bit of everything and I'm a little bit of, and, and I'm, and I'm a little bit of nothing, <laughs> so to speak. And um, so that transcultural person for me became kind of like a chame- like a chameleon. Mm-hmm. And I was able to change my colors according to the situation and environment. And, and that um, became kind of playful and, you know, very much jester like, you know, like, like a jester in a court, like I could just be more Indian if I wanted to, and I could be more American if I wanted to, I could be more Jewish in environments that wanted me to be more Jewish and I could sort of change the color of my skin, so to speak. And that led, led later on to understanding that what color skin do I paint myself in my character. So I kind of really kind of became that and really understood the meaning of what it is to have those change of colors before I really started using that in my work. And also realizing that today's world politics sort of pushes and promotes for a need for like belonging to one side or the other. Mm. And there's like this always this black and white opinion. So, you know, one side I don't agree with the other side also I think I agree with, but then when I go to the other side, the other side is also kind of extreme in its own way. And so there's always this black and white and that that gray scale is sort of not really explored as to what helps one to make those evaluations. And so how do I find that in my art and how do I be able to paint with that sort of fairness that allows me to learn about all perspectives and points, points of view, because this is ultimately so important for me because I was raised that way, never being taught to, um, make stereotypes of any kind of person and just uh, at the same time um, like you know just absorbing all of it and just realizing that all of this was so much a part of me so you know also realizing where do I belong and do I belong anywhere and searching for that home and all of these questions that are surfacing. Mm -hmm. Well um, it's you are coming from a very authentic space you're coming from the authentic you. And uh, the reality is a very much a blurred range of grays that we are all living in. Yet we want to tightly curve out boxes and corners for us. Uh, you and I are talking uh, today and uh, on an episode, which is the first beginning of a podcast entitled Outside a Narrative, which basically is an implication of that we may be, uh, you know, square pegs uh, or not really meant for fitting into round holes or the other way around. Uh, you know, we, ha- we have a kind of mold that can be very adaptable. And at the same time, we respond to molds. <laughs> we are not necessarily, uh, we are not ne- necessarily catering to categories. So uh, this, this, um, 
this meandering also has a degree of authenticity and it's a journey. It's a journey that brings out, um, you know, a degree of difference. It makes you stand out from the ordinary or the mundane. But at the same time, it gives you certain challenges because ultimately we have to live in society and we have to meander through so many categories, all knowingly or unknowingly, right? But, but let's go back a little into your upbringing. And if you would like to share any memories while growing up Jewish in India, um, whether it's of holidays or any dear memories within the community that you hold very close to your heart, which made an impression of what the young Siona Benjamin was thinking while she was starting her uh, journey into art. So what I think I, I learned a lot and that seeped into me is the fact that living in India, being raised Jewish in that multicultural country, one of the oldest democracies where people, I mean, it wasn't without strife. There were obviously nobody's perfect. There was all kinds yeah. of, you know, situations. And, but overall, there was this greater sense of acceptance, which I think was like a utopia in a way when I think back. And so that, that taught me to view the world outside of the bubble of one's own country, race, and religion in a way. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that later on, I believe that my art making can be that sort of vehicle to accomplish, to, to kind of pursue this, um, this thought, this, uh, this goal, whatever you may call it. And I realized also that this involves not just presenting, you know, my audiences and my viewers with, you know, oh, how unique this culture is, oh, how quaint, how exotic, whatever it is, uh, of these particular immigrant cu- cultures, but also going beyond this and expl- exploring and explaining and as to what is born out of the specifics of that immigrant culture. So it's not just about nostalgia, Mm-hmm. It is more about uh, going beyond the nostalgia. So nostalgia can be comforting. It's like, you know, home cooked food, like you're, you know, you go home and then you, the, nothing can replace that. So, and that nostalgia, that, that memory of that flavor can be everlasting. But the question is, how do you take the flavor of that memory of, of the nostalgia of who you are and then how do you create something new out of it so that um that those that something new is born out of the specifics like i said before um and that's the challenge so it's easy to you know kind of just fit into the norm and say okay i'm talking about my past and i'm talking about memories which are always wonderful or not so wonderful whatever it is but to kind of recycle them and to rejuvenate them and then to be able to use them as jumping board to be able to create something new that can also not only just be new, but also can talk to a more universal kind of people. So how do you make something new? How do you percolate it and you know, make something new that somebody who is going to see it is not just from your category of person, of people, but can come from other categories and still can identify or can, or can uh, sympathize 
um, or can have a dialogue with you about it. So that was what was challenging for me to try to accomplish. And I realized that initially that my work was kind of about, initially was about nostalgia and trying to come to terms with who I am and what is all this about. But then later on, I realized, you know, after doing a lot of the Finding Home series and trying to find that home, so to speak, that um, there is no home and that there is, um, you have, I have to pitch my tent where I go and, and that's, that's, there's a joy in that because that's who I really am. You're listening to The Outsider Narrative, a series of conversations on migrations, identities, cultures, and politics. Stay tuned. And that is true for any traveling cultures, any traveling identity, but also in a way, whether you like it or not, you have kind of ticked that quintessential Jewish box of adaptability and flexibility into many cultures, um, you know, that roaming Jewish identity. Of course, uh, and it's a reality. It is uh, it is well shelved in you through your through the journeys of your ancestors and uh, your people, and indeed yourself. You are an Indian Jewish American transcultural artist. What does Jew being Jewish mean to you, Siona? Well, um, being Jewish to me is um, as simple as, you know, the hope and the faith that my mother taught me to say the Shema prayer, or the the kind of um, beauty in her lighting the Shabbat lamp every Friday. And I say beauty because she just, um, I mean, it, it was not about God or about, you know, you know, things like that. It was more about teaching me about hope. And so through the Judaism, I think, and through my mother and her very, you know, simple and beautiful faith and love that I felt that I understood the meaning of what it was to be Jewish. The lighting of the Friday lamp with her and my father, for example, I was a simple ritual that many people do, but um, there was a sense of like purity in it. And there was a sense of, uh, like I said, a great faith in it. And that faith then translated for me into a kind of hope for life, for creation, for making art. And so I always say that that flame of her Shabbat of hope in a way, of never giving up, of perseverance or something like that, you know? So besides all the other, uh, you know, grand, grander memories of going to synagogue and, you know, going to all the festivals and going to my grandmother's home and she cooking all the Jewish food and, you know, and then a lot, a lot of them leaving and going to Israel and I'm me feeling very sad about it. And then me visiting, me and my parents visiting them in Israel a little bit and, them maybe coming back to visit too, and this whole diasporic Jewish family just splitting up again and uh, finding new identities. And then me later on coming to the US to study, thinking that I will leave and go, I don't know, somewhere else, but I never left and I stayed, not intending to. And so all of these kind of journeys um, 
sort of um, the more you disperse, I feel the more I dispersed, the more I came towards the nucleus of who I am. And that nucleus was definitely a big part was my Jewishness. And, and obviously in a new land, uh, for you, the alt new land, which was America. Uh, so how did you, through, through your decades of first being a student, then being an artist and having lived, uh, you've been in the U.S. for over 40 years now? No, I think it's about 34, 35, something like that. Yeah, five years. So oh, over three decades. Um, how have you related to the different forms of American Jewishness that you witnessed in the U.S., if you could share with us? Um, it's kind of a mixed bag. I think um, mostly I can say that I'm thankful that the the world Jewish community has, I felt a sort of camaraderie, which is very wonderful. And I received so much of work and help and encouragement because of things and people Jewish. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think that I'm lucky that because I'm different in that way, that people find it, the story interesting, and therefore, you know, are in, is, are, they are interested in my story. Um, so mostly I can say there is a sense of curiosity, which leads to a sense of people wanting to learn or find out more which is very nice and I'm very happy to share. But sometimes I feel uh, because Ashkenazi Jewishness is not very familiar with more um, ethnic Jewish people like Indian, Iranian Jews, Moroccan Jews, Yemenite Jews, you know, uh, non-Western Jews to, be, to, to begin with. So, you know, they uh, kind of tend to have a sense of disbelief about certain rituals or certain prayers thinking, but this is actually normal with any like major community that is always already settled in a place. Right. When, when a smaller community comes in or somebody new comes in that is different, there's always going to be a sense of doubt. So mm -hmm. I don't take it really personally. And I feel it's my role to sort of educate and to let them know, um, you know, so it's kind of okay, but there is, sometimes the feeling of discomfort because I feel that um, I belong, but I don't belong kind of thing. Um, because say the, the, the whole philosophy and the whole um, upbringing and the whole background is, and the besides forget about the rituals and all of that, but everything else is also kind of so different. The outlook on life is also different um, because I feel I am, I'm Jewish, but I'm after all Indian. So the Indian values always surface as against more, the, more of the Western values. So that kind of comes sort of, um, you can say a little bit in, in the way or of, of understanding, but having been here so long, I think I've become very Americanized and I'm very comfortable where I am, especially living near New York. I mean, I think that's one of the greatest best cities in the world. I love it. <laughs> And New York offers you that very broad range of cultures and also certain interesting hyphens to work with, I suppose, when it comes to, uh, you know, really a mel the melting pot of cultures. Yes. 
So um, when, when we look at the idea of uh, a transcultural Jew, right, which you are, uh, and, and you have informed this, uh, this being in your art, in your, in, in your, in your theater work, uh, tell us a little about why is it important to perform uh, this identity when you're in your particular work, Blue Like Me. Uh, tell us a little about this work on building a transcultural Jewish trajectory. Right. So um, I think um, it started all off with when I started studying theater, theater set design, and I started really understanding and enjoying the whole storytelling part of it, where you read the play, then you analyzed it, then you went to meetings and you talked to the director and the set designer. I mean, I was the set designer normally, and the lighting designer and the costume designer, and you decided what atmosphere to create that would be telling of the, to help the story to go along, along, you know, and not only just do the actors, but also the environment that is creating, created the lighting. The, so I started understanding, like, how do you create these atmospheres and these large installations, so to speak, and these black boxes? The most importantly was learning about the play itself, the story, and how do you project that on the stage? So that was very inspiring to me. And I felt that uh, using that formula, so to speak, it sort of changed the trajectory of what I was leaning towards when I was studying in my first master's to, to become a painter, uh, where you were taught to, to be more spontaneous, to like not think so much about the story or about storytelling, but you know, to be more in the contemporary art vein to, at that time at least, to mm -hmm. not consider storytelling, but to consider more spontaneous feelings or to kind of talk to make, make large abstract paintings, which were not, definitely not about storytelling. So, um, but I realized that I do like storytelling. And so when I came, you know, all, all 360 degrees around and I started thinking, what do I really want to say after my two MFAs? And I started thinking that I want to be a painter and I want to deal with issues of identity. And then I started realizing that storytelling is, I am a visual storyteller. And owning up to the fact was the first step <laughs> that, you know, I do, I, 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 that's best what I do. I like, I don't like, I mean, I do like, I did do a lot of large abstract paintings, but I like small, delicate, feminine story, storytelling works that, you know, are narrative and, you know, are, 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 are that way that, that depicts who I am. So, um, and then when I started doing the stories, I started wanting to create characters and I started wanting to think about, for example, what color skin should I paint my characters that were going to be these actors on the stage of my painting, you know, taking recycling mythology after I studied Midrash so a little later on, but I didn't want to paint the Midrash in its time and place. I wanted to use it as a jumping board again to talk about more socio-political situations of what's happening today. And how do I recycle them? And how do I create these characters? So, I mean, I read the, the, the poem Black Like Me by Langston Hughes and that kind of st stuck in my mind. And I was like, it's such an amazing poem. 
which was about slavery and about you know um, all of the, all of this American history that I felt was so overlooked. And I started thinking about skin color and how that affects so many things and about how you know um, race and identity is determined also by that. So I started thinking when I looked down on my skin at my own skin, it was what shade of brown was it, you know? And I realized that I have to make a skin color that would tell a story in a very unique way. Then I started thinking about all the gods and goddesses in Indian mythology. I started thinking about the green and the red and the, and the white Tara in Buddhism. And I started thinking about all these fantastic creatures, like, you know, even in Greek mythology, um, and also besides Indian mythology, but you know, everybody says, you know, like blue skin that you've come up with the blue skin. Is it like a Krishna? I'm like, no, it is a Krishna, but it is also many other influences. The blue pottery from Rajasthan, you know, um, that blue color. But then also I started looking into my own Jewishness and seeing the talit has blue in it. The tzitzit, the thread that, that is tied to the talit has blue in it. The Israeli flag has blue in it. The, my synagogues in, in Mumbai and other places were mostly painted blue for some reason. But most importantly, the color of the sky and the ocean is blue and it is so universal. And so I found like the blue over the, of, of the sky over America is no different from the blue over, or, you know, in, uh, which, which is over India or any other country. So you, that gave me a sense of feeling like that of belonging, being able to belong everywhere and nowhere. And so in this process of recycling and rejuvenating, you know, it sort of made me, a, you know, this myth-making process became cyclical and timeless. And therefore the blue skin became this universal color for me of being able to play, paint my characters so that they became a symbol for me of being a Jewish woman of color and being able to tell that story in that way. It's truly fascinating. And when you are in the process uh, making such making such art, you are mirroring cultures. It's a, there's a reflexive understanding and you are sharing stories. But you've also, in your art, shared transgenerational, not only transcultural, but also transgenerational stories across countries, which spoke about people their identities and migration. Um, so how has your identity as a transcultural Jew living in being in different countries impacted on your art? Like I said, this, uh, the characters that I've created sort of became narrative, um, you know, characters that became part of the play and the storytelling in my work. But then later on, I also felt the need to actually physically go and, uh, you know, hear some stories from people in my community. And that's when I was lucky enough to get not one, but two Fulbrights. One, the first one was to India. And the second one, a few years later, was to Israel. And the first one was Faces Weaving Indian Jewish Narratives. I got a chance to go into the four or 5,000 whatever left of my community over there, a micro minority of people in India, of Jews left in India, and be able to like sit and talk to them and just spend time with them and ask them questions about 
what they felt about their Jewishness, their Indianness, what they felt about who they were, you know, and kind of had a chance to stare, to, to share their stories. And it was very amazing and very gratifying coming like a full circle and being able to kind of go back home and just, uh, just be able to just simply talk to these people, record them, video them, photograph them and come back. And I made this project, uh, the Faces Project, where I did photo collage paintings, where I, I did photo, photo collages on, on the computer and then I painted on top of it, made these three by three feet pieces of um, artwork that sort of, you know, permanently recorded the stories of some of these people. And then my second Fulbright was when I went to Israel and that was part two that was called From Motherland to Fatherland, Transcultural Indian Jews in Israel. And I was interested in seeing the journey of those Indian Jews and when they went to Israel and married other kinds of Jews and other kinds of people. What were their children like? What stories did they remember? And what, what rituals and what memories did they manage to take with them and still practice or not? And you know, so that was an interesting journey to kind of find uh, how they became transcultural in another country. So they left motherland India and went to fatherland Israel and what happened there. <laughs>